Welcome to the Black Butterfly Experience, where we're talking about mental health in our community, in our families. My name is Sayer Salton. I am a licensed therapist. I specialize in co-occurring disorders, such as mental illness, behavior health, and substance use. A lot of times those illnesses coincide with each other. And so in this work, I got to work with a lot of black families and kind of saw what broke black families. And in my work, I want to start that healing process. This was a space created for healing. And so if we kind of know what we're dealing with, knowing what we're seeing, um, we could better address it and better treat it and heal from the trauma. Our race has learned to survive through abuse, neglect, violence, trauma, and dehumanization for centuries. We've been screaming out loud and suffering in silence through mental and emotional health all at the same time. Yet it was passed off and stigmatized as the way we were, which led us to believe it too. A large part of our community had no idea how to identify and address these issues because abuse, violence, and trauma became the norm. So this week's episode is going to be about, I've been thinking about something, uh, law enforcement stress disorder. Um, this idea came to me after our, kind of everything that's been going on and how I feel when a police officer gets behind me. And so today I have an amazing co-host who's also the producer of this podcast, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, hey, this is Moan Jay. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to help out and, and learn some some stuff about just mental health and in 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 the black community. Um I've been you you are just I've been listening to you and some of the stuff that you've been talking about and you know your stuff. So I'm just happy to be here and assist. So I'm excited about this week's episode and um hopefully we can learn some stuff. So yeah. um what what's been your like since we're talking about police, what's yeah. been your personal experience with the police? So I'll say even back then when maybe I had a reason, mm. you know, to be a little apprehensive because I wasn't doing, I wasn't always doing the right thing. <laughs> so, you know, I knew to get mm. nervous. It was an expected response mm. to get nervous when you see the police when I was younger. Mm. But now, um, as a law-abiding citizen, a professional mm-hmm. woman, um, I see whatever's been going on, well, all of this stuff that's been going on with yeah. the unjust killings, I just start recalling how I'm starting to feel when police get behind me. Yeah. Um, and I see them and I automatically, my heart starts racing. Mm. I grab the wheel and I know I'm not, you know, breaking the law. No, I'm not doing it. But why am I feeling like this? Could I be the next Sandra Bland? Mm. Could I be the next George Floyd? Um, just based off my the color of my skin. Right, right. So it depends on how that encounter is going or how that cop is feeling. 
um, this could go incredibly wrong. And how do I make it back home safe to my family? And this has been, I have been noticing these feelings and my body reacting with these symptoms um, during while we're, and not just while, you know, we're in the end pandemic. It's, it's, you know, I've just noticed that. So I'm really starting to pay attention right. to my body responses. Yeah. And now it's kind of at an all time high, the more that we see. Um, on TV, it's 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 what we're seeing. We're witnessing these murders on film, so we're experiencing secondary trauma, mm-hmm. which we can see that no one seeing someone getting murdered live and in living color um, is not just going to be a normal response. Right. So the more we take that in, the more we view in it, it is causing trauma within ourselves. Exactly. It's no so crazy. I'm, I'm. This might be a shocker, but um, I haven't had any bad experiences with police. Mm-hmm. However, the reason why I say that is because I avoid police as much as possible. Yeah. If to your point, yeah. uh, when when they're driving behind me, I'm not doing anything wrong. I do tense up. I get nervous. Yeah. Um I, you know, I if I don't sometimes I go out the way to avoid the police. Yeah. Like, if my street is coming up and I know I got a couple more blocks, I'd rather just make a left just to see if they're exactly. gonna follow me as opposed to you mean just taking that chance and then going to my destination and then they run those lights. Exactly. Um, I've you know I've ran stop signs, um, not intentionally, but you know, not paying attention. It's super dark. I'm trying to get home, and police officers let me off. Um, they let me go with a warning. Uh, I never gotten a speeding ticket before. Knock on wood. Right. Um, knock on wood. And you know, never been, uh, never been frisked. Like, you know, maybe police might have been called I'm at a friend's house and, we, you know, noise complaints and stuff like that. But they never once like, you know, everybody get on the ground and all that stuff like that. But never, never. I've never had a terrible experience with uh, with an officer once again because I uh, tried to avoid them as much as possible. But I would be remiss to say that that experience is not the same for everybody else. I know right. that I've seen. You know, I've drove and I've seen police officers have people that look like me yeah. on the ground and handcuffed searching their car. Did they do it illegally? Yeah. You know, did they do it legally? Like, did, did they have prob- probable cause, air quotes? So um, I'm not saying that to say because my experience, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blue lives matter, right. which don't exist because right. um, being an officer is a job. But um, but we right. But we can't take our black skin off. That is that is black lives we can't get we can't get rid of that that's that's us that's what we were born with that's who we are so um but yeah yeah i mean even if you are doing something wrong there's still procedures that that's right. that, that officers that have they have to take before they start doing x y and z that's right and just to your point like you said you don't even have involvement with the law enforcement um, you have not had bad experience, but your body still responds mm-hmm. when you see Trigger. them. They're mm-hmm. very triggered. And that's why I kind of want to bring this to light mm-hmm. um, to let, you know, just really educate our community yeah. and educate others on why they might get certain responses from the police that might lead to something else. But that does not, no way, mm-hmm. in no way, shape or form, um, give them permission to not act accordingly. Right. Exactly. And deny us our right of due process. Right. 
And that's what we're continuously denied from. And if I am, I am a well person. Mm -hmm. I am a clinician. I know this. So meeting someone who is living with certain mental health um, disorders and even anxiety and depression and fear, um, paranoia, and you are met with a representative of this same population Mm -hmm. that continues to hunt us and target us, it seems. And you're met and your heart is pumping and you're racing and you're in fear. And when he approaches you, you know, at that moment, this could go very wrong because of his lack of professionalism. Exactly. His or her. Mm -hmm. Let me just make that very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women too. You know, and um, so I might... If I'm already kind of living with this now, we're not talking about, I don't care if you're guilty of a crime. There is still due process. Exactly. You are still to be treated professionally. That does not give them the right to demean you, Mm -hmm. to talk to you any kind of way, to curse you out, to deny you your rights. You are not supposed to grab and frisk and just start searching. There is a process to go with that. And when we're denied that, we're responding to that. And that's where things get fickle and they take matters into their own hands. And here we have certain results. Exactly. Um, growing up where I grew up, um, in the projects, in the depths of the hood, police wrongdoing became a norm. Like we knew it. We never expected fair treatment. We never expected professionalism. Mm-hmm. And so I think that also contributed to, you know, the diversion of, you know, with them. Like when I see you, I'm running because I already know. Yep. I'm not safe, you know, in your hands. So I'm willing to take my chances. I already know, or those um, living with certain else, you know, conditions, Mm -hmm. personality disorder, and all of that other stuff. I don't trust you. So now I don't, you're not treating me with respect. So I'm not going to treat you, you know, respect. I'm not going to respond respectively um, when we already have the history and the generational trauma of slavery, of denied civil rights. And all of that discrimination, we already had that. And so some people just ain't going. Yeah, that's true. You know, when I see you in your white face in your uniform and you already approaching me with airs and non-professionalism, I don't have it. You know, the same for you. We've been a race that's already pretty much kind of living to die. You know, we've yeah. been sacrificing for so long and we are living on the edge. So I some people are going to go down with pride. There was something... Um, when slavery came and it came and got us in the ship, some people chose the sea. Yeah, you know, instead of being enslaved, you know, to that, and that's kind of some of the same things we're seeing here with certain responses, um, to the police. I just really want us to have a space and a conversation, absolutely, um, to talk about that because at this point, we, you know, I hear people saying how to we teaching our children how to stay safe. At this point, we that's a gamble. Yeah, it is. I, I, that talk is so um, so scary. I remember um, my job. We had a uh, we called a a uh, courageous conversation, and one of the one of the new hires. He was, I think, he was from. I wanna. He was from Africa. I'm not sure exactly where, yeah. what, what uh, country in Africa, uh, but he was saying that when he got here. Um, to America, 
He said he really didn't. He didn't experience racism, of course, in Africa because yeah. the majority of people are is are you know the darker skin tone or um, black, uh, so to speak. But when he got here, that's when he started experiencing racism. He started yeah. experiencing the differences uh, of different skin tones. So he was saying that his girlfriend is white and he's obviously black, and he speaks. Uh, I think he speaks Swahili. Um, okay. And he said one day, I think he was in Minnesota, I think one day he was on a bike ride or whatever, and he was on the phone, he was, I guess he was talking to a relative, and he was speaking in his native tongue, um, which once again, I believe Swahili. Okay. And I guess a neighbor or someone, a bystander, heard him speak in the tongue and thought the tongue was kind of aggressive. And he didn't know if they were talking to him or what, but he was on the phone on a bike. And they called the police. And a uh, police officer came over and said, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, you're on the phone. What's going on? You know, someone called and said that there was like a disturbance in the neighborhood." He's like, "No, I'm just on my phone." He's like, "What language are you speaking there?" And uh, he's like, "My native tongue, you know, Swahili." And, and they kind of let him go on his way, but it's like that, that subtle racism. Um, that not subtle. That I mean, that's blank, blanket racism. Yes, where. I don't know who you are. I don't understand this. This is foreign to me. I believe I am perceiving it to be a threat or, um, you know, the, the president that we're under right now has made it very uh, easy for racism to to permit itself yes. or to show its rear, rear its ugly head. And people are just like, well, you know, I don't feel comfortable. This is different. This is foreign. I'm just going to go ahead and call the police. And we know a lot of times when the police show up. Um, we're not going to get the good guys, exactly. the good cops, quote unquote. Exactly. More of the time, we're going to get those um, those bad guys. But one thing that you did say, though, um, that that uh, I wanted to talk about or expound upon is history. And as we know, uh, as black people, we came over here as slaves, uh, not indentured servants, but That's as right. slaves where we didn't get paid for our services. Exactly. I mean, they thought that because... We could, you know, work for them. They paid us, gave us clothes and, and food that that was our, you know, our, our, uh, we, we were treated good because of that, mm-hmm. but that's not true. But I want to go back into the history of policing, um, especially here in the United States. So when it, when, when this country was being formed, um, in the early 1600s, it was a volunteer system. It was, uh, called Night Watch. And simply what that was was that, uh, people would volunteer to, you know, patrol the streets at night so, you know, there won't be any drunk people, prostitution and things going on. But what's so crazy about it is that the volunteer system was supposed to work for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but if you were of, you know, of a higher stature or a lot of money, you could pay the same people that are drunk or, you know, that are the criminals, if mm-hmm. you will, to do the night watch. So now you watch, you got criminals to watch criminals. So the system wasn't really good. Um, and then, when we move down into the southern regions, we have what we call the the slave patrols, and that's where we get the the um, the you know the men riding on horseback, carrying whips, ropes, guns. They try to quote unquote keep law and order. Their job was to chase and capture and hunt um, escaped slaves yeah. and terrorize them, uh, especially in those slave communities to prevent riots. And they even kept the plantation owners in check like hey your slaves are venturing off you know even if the slave did have the proper paperwork to do what they need to do they just flex their muscle if you will um to keep slaves in check um and then the slave patrols kind of ended towards the civil war but the slave patrols were uh replaced with the ku klux klan 
And um, and we still see the Ku Klux Klan today. Uh, they might be called the Proud Boys now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then towards the early 1900s, that's when the system started to get more, um, I guess, how you want to say, more uh, sophisticated. Yeah. That's when we start to see psychology and sociology start to be implemented in the work of uh, policing. And that's when they started to create the juvenile system. And as we all know, that prison, that school to prison pipeline is real, where you see a lot of our kids of our color, um, our kids are going straight to school, straight from school to jail. Yeah. Um, they're getting suspended a lot more. Their, their, uh, you know, their infractions or whatever you want to call them, they tend to get more, um, more time, if you will, mm-hmm. compared to the white counterparts, which may, you know, may get detention or, and maybe get a day off or two, but you know we get suspended for three days or such. Yeah. Um, and then towards the 1960s, that's when we start when black people started saying enough is enough. Um, that's when we started protesting, and, and that's when we got because of the unfair treatment. That's when we got the racial profiling, um, and we got the gas, the tear gas, the high pressure water hoses, the attack dogs, and you've seen you might have seen some of those pictures oh, yeah. um, from back in the day. And then we started, and then moving towards the 80s and the 90s, we started to get more rise of modern technology to racial profile and continue the unfair treatment of black people and people of color. Um, and then to now we got, you know, the Eric Garner chokeholds, um, the Sandra Blands, the George Floyds, yeah. and, and they tried to combat some of this stuff with the body cams. And half the time they turn them off or, exactly. or they just, do it in front of the body cam anyway, and they still get off. Exactly. So that's how we kind of got, we kind of went from the slave patrols to now this modern policing, but the whole system is corrupt and we just need to change the system. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, I don't, this whole good cop, bad cop, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to stop. No, be professional. Mm -hmm. You know, be professional. There is um, a mission and a guide that you are supposed to abide by, and that is to protect and serve. And there are rules. There are guidelines you need to follow. And you need to follow those same ones when you come to any person, um, especially those of color. You don't get to decide um, because of that. And I, I know I've heard people out there of different races, you know, saying how cops treat them, but the studies and statistics don't lie. Yeah. Um, who is the real victims, whose lives are being lost. Exactly. And a, when we always say, what about the ones that weren't filmed? Yep. And I, I know personally, you know, about ones that were not filmed, grew up with that. We didn't have that technology back in the day. And uh, I do feel like, you know, what do you think fueled the song F the Police? Yeah. And NWA. Yeah, NWA, yeah. You know, what do you think? And we are not condoning criminal behavior. Criminal, no. We're condoning the acts of professionals that had a duty to do what they needed to do. And they took it upon themselves personally to disregard that badge and treat us inhumane exactly. and denied us our rights yet again. And so this is what, how do we have conversations about how to keep safe um, when there's so much, when we got so much built up trauma. Exactly. You know, with this. So I, I say this as just as a professional and keep trying to look at this from, you know, a bird's eye view. Yep. 
the only thing we can do is continue to tape it. Yep. Document it and tape it. Um, and speaking of that, um, we, I got a case here. Let's let's get into this let's case. Into speaking about documenting and, and taping, um, let's talk about this case here in um, in North Carolina. So in in Wilmington, North Carolina, this police department terminate three veteran officers for what they call hate filled speech caught on a patrol car video. So here's some of the facts. So three officers, as I mentioned, were filmed, uh, were fired because of the Hayesfield speech that was caught on their patrol car. Um, the black police chief, his name is Donnie Williams, identified the three officers as James Gilmore, Jesse Moore, the second and Kevin Piner um, as the as the uh, I won't even call them men, but as the culprits, if you will. And. I'm just give you like just some of the. Uh, unfortunately, the audio is not available. We try. Trust me, we try, y'all. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but we were uh, we were able to obtain some of the uh, court proceedings and some of the documentation that happened in the court. Um, but the officers, what they did was they um, they simply just they criticized first of all the chief, the black police chief. Not only that, they also criticized the uh, black officers. Um, and then they also criticized the Black Lives Matter movement. But one of the things that was really, really uh, upsetting and just just a plain racist evil. I, I, I like to call it evil. Now, I don't call it racism no more. I call it evil. That's right. um, so the, one of the officers uh, or one of the uh, people that one of the culprits, uh, Piner, uh, said to Moore, he said that there needs to be a civil war to wipe and wipe off, wipe them off the effing map. Uh, and he's talked about in regards to black people. And he said, he, and that will put him back about four to five generations. And then more uh, reply, you're crazy. And then the recording stopped after that. But even then, um, just looking through some of this, these proceedings, um, you know, some of the recording also said they were talking about how uh, they arrested uh, a nigger um, and, you know, caught, you know, just called them all type of names, called the woman all type of names, um, smashing car doors and things like that, and just pure racism yeah. uh, throughout the, uh, the the department. And, of course, they were fired. But one of the things I feel like that should have happened, um, the judge that proceeded over this case did not um, want to get the recording public because they feared that it would have caused an uprising and they don't want any, with all the protesting and things of that nature and going on now they didn't want any issues so um what what are some of the problems here what are some of your thoughts what are some of your like how how will we identify this like what are these officers going through and then i guess maybe look at it from two as people that that work in the office the black officers that's in that department like exactly. what could they be feeling exactly so first of all we're talking about the carolinas here where we mm -hmm. already know home yeah. of um that so it didn't just stop and what concerns me is that they got fired because we heard it. Yeah. You know, it true. finally got out. Um, how much damage did they do yeah. while serving? You know, that just completely, the hate filled with that mm. um, is completely alarming. And, you know, I'm not. Just keep it real. I don't even want to give them, you know, a diagnosis at this point. Because <laughs> we're going to say just listen 
racism and simply based off the color of skin. Now, the judge says he didn't want to release that. And that might be a little true. Um, but I also, I I wish I could believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, and why can't we believe it? Because so much has been done. Again, we're protecting. And I am so curious as to, it must have been getting to such a terrifying point that the courageous person that did finally tape it, you know, you finally got something on tape um, with him. And I call, I call them courageous because something prompted that. Yeah. And this has been going on way, 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 way too long. And so I'm curious as to, I wish I could be in the room and do an assessment, you know, with this person. What is your issue with that? And I'm I'm really curious to what the answer is going to be to say you want to start a civil war and knock us back. Yeah. You know, a few generations. So where is that stemming from? You know, what 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 is that? So that tells me it's been generationally with him and his family and where they come from. And they are the heart of North Carolina. Um, the center of it. So this has been inbred generationally. Uh, I, I would not, I don't feel like I'd be wrong. I'd probably put money on it. Um, you're coming from a family of white supremacy, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, with that. And we've also heard that that kind of was the way to do things is to get in law enforcement and to kind of keep us at bay and to do us harm with that. So, uh the the beautiful thing about this was their boss happened to be a black man who yeah. was not afraid to say go and was not afraid like yep you can ridicule me you can say this was favorite this is a black man and mm-hmm. you're still talking about eliminating his race but that was a professional move that he didn't did not think twice about it no you were unethical in that, and I cannot have you behind this badge making such unethical decisions. Yeah. And by, so I'm really proud um, that he didn't pull the Daniel Cameron. Yeah. Um, and just did it, and there was no tolerance, you know, for it. Uh, I'm wondering is can there be such a criminal charge? Um, intent. I think that goes along. Yeah. With it. I mean, yeah. Um, plotting. You know, whatever that. Uh, legal word, you know, is for that. I I do think there needs to be criminal charges, you know, with that being fired, um, does not really ruin a career, um, whatsoever. You know, he could still go somewhere else and do what he needs to do. However, I just, I don't think it was, uh, enough. Yeah. Um, in this situation and the victims of him, and those other officers, um, I don't know if they're able to come forward, even if they are still living. Yeah. But because the color of their skin, they didn't matter, you know, at the time, and probably, you know, were scared, um, or to come forward being in fear of living in a town that seems to kind of support this behavior. Yeah. So, um. This is another case of why we would have law enforcement post-traumatic stress disorder. We're getting proof 
of why we should be scared. We hear an officer, officers on tape, on the job, celebrating on taking our lives. Yeah. Calling us niggers, the color of our skin. Why wouldn't I be in fear? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you might have touched on it, but touch on it from the perspective of, like you said, the cops, like... I'm pretty sure uh, black cops there. I'm pretty sure they know. They knew. Uh, mm-hmm. We all kind of know when we go to work. We all kind of know that one person that say I, I hate calling them microaggressions, but that's yeah. the term. But you know those microaggressions, those uh, those little sly remarks, and you might you might have said something about it. Or you might have let it slip. You know, let it slip or slide a little bit. But then you go and say. Um, you know, go tell somebody and nothing gets happened or they yeah. put it in a file and then, but the file, when they pull it out their desk, it's like a, it's like a, 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 a yellow page book. It's, yeah. you know, it's so long, it's so big. It's like, wait a minute. Now you just put another piece of paper in there. Exactly. But how do, how, I mean, what, what do you say to the officers that are black officers that are working in there and had to deal with that for so long until finally, you know, it got to the point where, and also too, this climate that we're in, mm-hmm. They've probably been doing this for a long time, but the no, climate that we're in, and you know, now they have to say, like, all right, before this gets out, before another riot happened, we need to get in front of this. Like, what, what could be going through their minds and their heads? So we got survival mode okay. going in, which Ooh. is probably happening in a lot of jobs, in a lot of organizations. I call that file you mentioned, it probably was going in a circular file, mm-hmm. the garbage can, when we're protecting. So... Um, I will say this one example while I'm going to that. So I remember being in grad school and one of the officials of our school came to speak to our class who happened to be a former law enforcement person. And I don't, I don't want to mix the title up, but I will say he was a higher up. Mm-hmm. You know, he started as a police officer, I think became a detective and then whatever you go from there, like sergeant or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so he was talking about his experience, and this is why I'm in grad school, um, to get my education part on becoming a therapist. And so I was curious. I said, now, and I was being very gracious uh, with this, um, just so I could try to get a good, humble answer. Mm-hmm. But I knew what was going through my mind. But I asked, I said, so a killing is a killing is a killing is a killing. Now, whether it's justified or not, what is put in place for officers um, who took a life? Mm. You know, whether, and we're not getting into, you know, all that, because I wanted to, I made it a very safe space, you know, for him. And what he told me um, was he, he, first of all, he appreciated that. So I got a real, real humble answer because I wasn't coming for him. He didn't mm-hmm. feel like that. But what he told me was mental health is looked upon as being weak mm-hmm. in oh. law enforcement. And so, cause he was like, so when you say put in place, I said, is it therapy? Somebody, this needs to be processed. You can't go home at the end of the night just because you have on that color and that, that uniform and that badge right. after you have taken someone's life. Whether it was justified or not, you took a life. So to go home and not feel anything about it, that's a concern. Yeah. For, as I'm emerging into this profession, 
how is that not processed? How is that not put in place? And what he told me was mental health is looked upon as weak. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in place. And so it's looked upon as how can you really do your job if you're mentally weak? Now, just gather that. Yeah. That's wild. You know what I mean? For a minute. So now when we say these officers who see that, so they either have to put on a persona and then, and then again, let me go back. It takes 30 days to make a habit. Yeah. And this is your career. This is your livelihood. And you either have to numb it up and suck it up. And okay, you try to make a complaint and then your job gets threatened. Your livelihood, what are you going to go do now? You've been trained to be a police officer and then you get shunned or, you know, you don't feel safe and you don't feel protected. When you go make that complaint, um, how are you being treated, you know, afterwards? And I can only imagine what has happened, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the years for those who know full-blown well and it's very out loud, um, the racism yeah. and the injustice that goes there. But I still need to go feed my family. I don't have enough in me and I don't have enough support yeah. to, you know, make some noise about this and feel safe. Right. You know, that I'm going to do my job. And I do feel like that's going on, not only just law enforcement, but everywhere. You know, we don't feel safe and we don't feel protected. And it always seems like it gets turned around on us. So I'm really glad we make a noise. I hate that we've had to have such tragic victims, you know, in doing this. But we got to stay loud because this is, we see when we rise up and we make what we going to make a difference. But the pain and the silence that we've had to endure all of this time because we did not feel protected right. um, to do this in the mental health that we endured um, in these situations to do that. So I was really proud of that that chief that fired those police off the yeah. spot because he could be held to a standard. He could have been threatened. He could have been all of that. And he was willing to take that risk and say, absolutely not. So if so, your recommendation. So you you're in your office, mm-hmm. um, and one of the files come through, and you see one of these officers yeah. or, or ex officers um, come to your desk, and you have to evaluate them. I guess what would be your recommendation? What would you say? What would you do? What would you? How would how would you move forward in 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 dealing with this case? If they come so across with your desk? this case. There was a threat to unethical harm. There were unethical mm. practices, unethical threats. I, you're not safe behind this badge. Mm. So that is an automatic termination. Mm. Um, is someone who's been an executive, been H, that's automatic. So we're not talking, this is not just because I'm a black person. That's unethical, mm-hmm. what you're saying. Um, you directly, blatantly stated that you cannot wait to diminish us, Mm -hmm. to kill us. And then you're calling us niggers. That's unethical practices. So there is no processing for that if I'm in that office and in that position. There's none of that. So that's that's cause for automatic termination. Mm -hmm. But as we talk about on the clinical side, um, I do believe they need to work through that. You know, if no one's ever stepping up and say, you know, hey, why do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. And let's talk it out. You know, I don't know what 
his experience was. Was he bullied? Was he beaten up by black people, you know, mm-hmm. in a younger life? Did he have some traumatic experience that really triggered his hatred and want to do things like that? But I will say that I do believe they all need to talk through that. Why don't you go back and where, where is this really coming from? Mm. What space is this coming from? And when we're getting to the point where we want to harm others, that is detrimental. That's general, That's borderline psychotic when mm. we're at the point that we want to harm others um, who've not done anything right. you know, to us. Now we got some point where you do need to be evaluated. Mm. And so- for that, that those officers alone, that I, I almost want to, and we we have a system called Chaptered um, Fifty One, where someone is exhibiting harm, exhibiting behaviors that can harm themselves or others, and so we are kind of using the law to have you you do have to go under undergo mental health mm. treatment and a mental health evaluation, and we have to deem you safe. Mm. That um, for me in that state, when they're exhibiting that, that should never just go with a fire and let him go. He is a threat to safety. Now, when we're a threat to safety, we're getting arrested, we're getting killed, we're getting harmed. How is this any different? How is this any different? And I treat people every day who that if they don't say, hey, I don't want this treatment, but you're, you're verbalizing to me that you could possibly hurt yourself. You say, you know what? I just want to kill myself. I can't let you go out that hospital. I have to call the police on you. I have to call the police and have them put an order in with the county to make you get, you have to get treatment. Now, yep, can you escape? Can you run around? But there's a tag on you, Mm. you know, that says, if I see you, I have to arrest you Mm. for your own safety. And it's not like this is a charge, a legal charge. We need to detain you to stabilize you and to ensure that you will not be a threat to yourself or others. This man verbally stated killing Mm -hmm. black people. He would have been for me. I know there are people out there will be think that as harsh, but we're, when we're going through behavior, health and ethical standards, this is a threat of safety. This is a threat of harm. Mm, Wow. And it's, um, and this has no logic to it. Wow. The scary thing about that is, is that, so you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, you would deem him as someone that needs to be uh, locked away and then evaluated because he he um, threatened to kill black people, people that are people that he just never met before. And what's so crazy about that, when I, where you're talking, I'm like, that's what should happen to all races. All races should be locked, locked away and de- until they're deemed safe. Exactly. But the people that are are behind this field, unlike yourself, mm-hmm. um, who don't look like you, yeah. black woman, mm-hmm. they're white and they're racist as well yeah. and they're biased and yeah. they're the ones that are treating these type of guys. There's nothing wrong with him. He's, you know, oh, right. he just said something, stop on the wrist, get him out of here. Right. But then when someone of our race comes in and we did something like, you know, uh, criminal, oh, he needs... He needs this type of medicine. He needs to all this type of stuff. He needs to be. He's not safe. We can't deem him safe. It's going to take him years to be rehabilitated, exactly. and then they put him through this system, and now you lost exactly. in the system. That badge protected him. So what he exhibited is called mm. homicidal ideation. Mm. That's exactly what that is. He is a threat of harm to others, wow. and he blatantly, point black and white, stated the words "kill." 
and can't wait. So I want to change the language um, from locked away. Mm-hmm. I want to say detained. Detained, okay. Um, because that's not the first option to take you to jail um, to do that. So where you would meet me in, in one of my roles is at a hospital. Mm-hmm. And so, yep, I would have to call officers because they are the route to get this detained paper. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to re- you have to show up in court. You have to do all of that. And but if you come to me and you say I have it in an assessment and if I have to evaluate your suicidal ideation mm-hmm. and your homicidal ideation, mm-hmm. suicidal ideation, for those who don't know, is a threat of harm or safety to yourself. Homicidal ideation is the same thing to others. And that's what he said. And because he is in that badge, that protecting him and absolutely not, because I evaluate officers too, mm. um, that come to that hospital with their badges on. Um, who and there is a little protection code around there. Um, when they do that, they got a little safe place they can go to with that. But um, I appreciate the fact that them coming in to get some help because it has now gotten out of line. Mm-hmm. It's gotten out to the point. But do they even feel safe? You know, getting help because right. the stigma that was put on them. Mental health is seen as That's a weakness. Weak. Yeah. So what about those who maybe were not racist, but had to join the team, mm-hmm. you know, in order to kind of feel safe? But yeah. that right there, um, for him verbalizing that, that man should have been detained and should have been evaluated. Hmm. So yeah. Court ordered. Court ordered. Wow. So there you have it. They they should be detained now. Uh, I'm just looking at some uh, some news now. They are looking to see if there are some criminal uh, charges that needs to be or any crimes were committed. Um, but we know that um, you know with those with those biases, mm-hmm. they would have to go back and look at some of those arrests that they made exactly. and, and and say, okay, was this a bias because they were black, um, or you know was this something that was really something that needed to be. Um, uh, taken care of. So, wow. Uh, so there you have it. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to case number two. For case number two, um, I, I don't want to lump everybody in together, but yeah. because of just What's been going on these past several months here in 2020, not only are we dealing with COVID, but we're also dealing with um, racism, uh, this whole other pandemic that has been uh, visible, but people haven't been paying attention and sweeping it on the rug, under the rug. So we have um, Brianna Taylor, who uh, last week we learned um, that she did not get justice, but the, her her neighbor's wall got justice. Yes. We have George Floyd, who... Um, we all saw had a foot, literally have a foot on his neck. You know, we say that figuratively all the yeah. time. Um, that there's a foot, you know, on our uh, on our neck. Yeah. So he actually had a uh, or he had a a, a knee on his neck. Yeah. Um, we have even in our own uh, back door, Jacob Blake, who's in Kenosha, who got shot seven times in his back. Um, in front of his children. In front of his children, um, and we have Elijah McCain. Mm-hmm. Uh, who autistic autistic man, beautiful soul, unarmed, unarmed, um, begging for his life, begging for his life, got uh, injected with uh, 
this this chemical um, that I'm not familiar with, but a chemical that that should have been outlawed uh, and not used to calm him down, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have uh, this this new case that just happened uh, within the past week. Um, Jonathan Price, who was trying to stop a fight just like Jacob Blake and um, got killed um, in front of and got killed. And that uh, from what I've read in that case, that the, the officer uh, is indicted for murder, which was the swiftest um I've ever seen an officer get indicted. We have here we have Brianna Taylor's case where they the officers have been roaming free at the grocery store, just walking around living yeah. their lives and, and only one get indicted for once again not killing Brianna Taylor, but for uh shooting up uh in in shooting a wall and endangering the neighbors. So my question to you is is as as we starting to see, still see these cases and still see these issues, and we started to become numb to this, what 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 is the effect on the black people that are not even necessarily watching it on TV, but just hearing it from their peers or just hearing it? Hey, did you hear the? There's a new one. You know, yeah. what 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 effects are those? What yeah. what problems do you see are that are caused by all of this? So the main thing is trauma Mm -hmm. and people tend to dismiss trauma. Mm. It is so very real. Watching as black people, this is nothing new to us. We always felt that the, and I'll let me before there, because there will be black people that will say police has never done anything to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking to the community that has lived in fear. Mm -hmm. Um, with law enforcement because of the stories and because what we personally used to witness. But what's going on now is it's being televised. Yeah. And so with George Floyd, I can't even express the amount of trauma that impacted on the world. And it was not, we're going far more than just, this was another black man killed by the police. This was inhumane. Mm-hmm. It was like seeing a hanging that we've always heard about um, in slavery where you, we, we were just hung or lynched. We saw this man who did not did not deserve how that happened to go down mm-hmm. at all. Right, And I believe it was... Portia Williams, she had made a statement and said, and I don't know if she got this from somebody else, but this is the first person who I heard of and it resonated with me. She said, when he took his last breath, I took my first. Mm. And if we think back to those minutes, you, you had no idea that that video was going to lead to that. I don't know about you, mm. but I didn't. I just happened to I didn't even watch it. come across yeah. it and I was like, okay, what is this? And I had no idea it was going there. Yeah. Um, we usually don't get to see the actual murder of that. And to hear we you just it touched too many people. Whether it was not a release, it was inhumane. To see an inhumane act over and over yeah. again is inducing trauma to the brain. Imagine the people who were standing there. 
and could not do anything and were polarized simply because that man had on a uniform. Mm -hmm. His uniform got more respect than that man's life. People stood around in fear because of those uniforms and was allowed to take a life unjustly. And we watched that man literally die. That is trauma at its worst. And we got, this is all over the internet where there is, you know, no barriers to it. You got babies watching this Mm. over and over again. You got people who are not well. You had this unleashed in the middle of a pandemic where people were already isolated, depression and anxiety, not knowing to do, feeling alone, dealing with mental health. You had services pause. People couldn't get the care that they needed because we're still trying to figure out what's going on in the pandemic and you unleash a video of murder. Yeah. So trauma, which will go into all types of other things, but that's the biggest thing that you, and I know I was traumatized to the, where it was, I felt like I knew this man personally. Right. Um, as a mother, hearing him call out for his mother's name, who's no longer here. Mm. Every mother across the world, I think black, white, every creed, um, every color felt that. If your child went to the store, I don't care if it was a 20 fake $20 bill, which we found was not even fake. Yeah, right. Right? Um, he just went to the store and didn't return home. And I turned on my TV and saw how he died. The thoughts that took me back looking at when I see that video, I saw my son and that completely traumatized me and induced anxiety um, on myself. So I can only imagine for people who were not well. And then we saw that as a community, as a race together. This is why all hell broke out loose. So you can't. And I hear a lot of people speak out against the riots, but you don't get to determine how we respond to trauma. And that yeah. what you're seeing, the anger, the the looting, the, all of this is a trauma response. This is anger. And we are not all made up the same. And you are fueled. Seeing that will fuel anger, which is what we're seeing. Right. That that is just it's and I'm I even thought about I forgot I, I hate to say I forgot but it's just so many yeah. I forgot about Botham Jean Botham Jean and then um I I, oh, I might have mentioned um Ahmad Arbery but forgot about him as well too and it's just who's next who I, is next and I hate to say it like that like you know like the price is right come on down but that's what it feels like. It it's does. like your name is going to get called sooner or later and, and, and there's just injustice everywhere. And um, looking at the Jonathan Price uh, situation here, which is the most recent mm-hmm. uh, within the past couple of days, um, you know, there was some information that came out, you know, saying that he uh, really didn't support or identify with the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement. And, um, you know, he didn't have any issues with uh, police officers. Uh, on his post, he mentioned a couple of things that, you know, there's times where he should have been arrested or times yeah. he should have, um, you know, got a ticket or what have you. And, and the cops gave him a pass or whatever. Um, and I, I expressed that at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. There were times, same thing with me. Yeah. But there is still that I still hold cops accountable. Mm-hmm. Whether I go to McDonald's or uh, any place, if someone does something wrong, 
I still have to hold them accountable. Is it everybody if I go to that same place? No, it's not everybody, but that person it has to be held accountable. When someone does something at a company, yeah, there's only one person that do it, but that whole company has to be accountable because right. that's the company hired them and right. they didn't do their due diligence. Um, and with him, uh, you know, he was trying to break up a fight. Police officers were called. Hey, I was trying to break up a fight. Police officer perceived him as a threat, tased him, and while he was convulsed, uh, while he was shaking and you know receiving the shot, they thought that he the shot they they thought that he was a threat, and they shot and killed him. Mm-hmm. And to be tased and shot and killed, that is just yeah. and to be deemed a threat, to un- be no threat, un- unarmed and mm-hmm. tased. Yeah, I am still a threat where mm-hmm. I have to shoot you. Exactly. This is unfortunate because that young man trusted. Yeah. The law. That's that is the right. Yeah. Um, they were not he has spoken in, in defense, yeah, you know, of the law. And this is what happened to him. Um, and you made a, a a really, really, really outstanding point with we're saying who's next. And this is where I come back with the law enforcement post stress post-traumatic stress disorder, because there are people, including myself, as we see those uniforms and we see those cars, mm-hmm. um, we're thinking, are we next? Right. You know, are we going to be the next person? That man had no idea he was about to go to this store. He mm-hmm. intended to go get goods and come back home. And he tried to be a good civilian. With breaking up a fight, and here come the police to kind of take over, you know, the job, and he ends up getting killed Mm -hmm. unjustly, unarmed. There was nothing in that situation that garnered for him to pull out that medal and shoot and kill that man, a man who trusted and defended the police. Right. Yeah. So where 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 do we do that at? And the same man um who really didn't see race, he didn't see a color, uh was killed because of it. Yeah. And that that trust factor is just it's so scary because you put your put you're supposed to put your trust in the police and as a, like you said as a as a tax paying citizen um, when you see the police, you're supposed to be safe. You're supposed to feel secured. Um, but that's just not for us. It's we just, us. It's, we don't, we don't. And I mean, I hate to say it for um, everybody, but I'm speaking in general. There, I mean, there is no justification of shooting someone. And to your point, as we mentioned in the last case, when you shoot someone, there should be some type of, um, some type of evaluation. Okay. There should be some type of, and then, how, like, I, I just want to know, like, are, when you shoot someone, are, are these, do you take these cases and say, okay, how could we have did, done a better job to de-escalate exactly. so we could have saved the life mm-hmm. as opposed to, because that life could have been redeemed exactly. and that person could have been a better, you know, in the system itself, we all know the system itself is broken. Exactly. I'm, as I'm going through the list here, I'm, I'm pulling up names, just recalling memory, Rashad Brooks in Atlanta. Yes. Um, he got shot in the back, in the you back. know. Unarmed. Unarmed. You know, he pulled over running to the side. Running away, yep. not running towards. Pulled over to the side because he was drunk and in the Wendy's and the police was called. Um, and 
you know, he said, hey, I'm just trying to get home. Instead of the officer doing the right thing, he, he could have just simply said, you know what, I'll give you a ride or mm-hmm. or uh, I'll call you Uber or something like that. You know, altercation happens and get shot in the back. And the old school, why didn't you chase him? You too lazy? Yeah, yeah. You know, you could have And, and if, I, if he's drunk him. too, if exactly. he's drunk or sobering up, you exactly. know. We've seen people, you know, coming exactly. from, drunk and sobering up. They're exactly. not in the best physical shape and it's just it's it just one exactly. after another and there's nowhere in those bylaws that tells you and justifies you to shoot it says if you are in threat if your safety is threatened mm-hmm. there's nowhere where that threat that safety was threatened this man is unarmed running away from you running away from you so the threat is long gone now yeah and he is another story where now it's overshadowed because we keep getting more yep. and more. Yep. You know, we've we've um wanted don't want to say that like that, but we kind of forgot about mm-hmm. you know him and getting justice for him. It's like how many times are we gonna run out and try to get this shut because the next one comes and it's even more horrifying than the last case. Right. So now we got to try to, you know, stop and do that. But it starts at the top. These officers are just, you know, these foot soldiers. How are they allowed to operate like this? Right. Exactly. It starts from the top. So I need to know what's going on in the mindset of you. Yeah. Um, As you are supervising and managing these officers. How is this okay? And they all need to be evaluated and held to a certain standard as well. The, they're just kind of, you know, I, I don't want to call them not guinea pigs is the wrong word, but I'll say foot soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the things I want to talk about, too, you said is that that threat, um, if they have to be perceived as a threat. And I forgot the legal term, but I heard, overheard a couple of lawyers talk about it, which is the issue um, is that. There is that room to say I was scared. That yep. interpretation to say I was scared or there was a perceived threat. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you got a good lawyer, you could go back and you can go and say like, "Oh yeah, Rashad was was running, yeah. but I, he could have been running to, you know, go get a gun or running to go get you know another person to come, at, you know." And it's it's just it's just such a flawed system. And I, it flawed is. is not even the right word. And it's that just system a really protects system. police. Yeah. So. Yet again, they are above the law. They get excused because they have this badge on. That young lady that walked into that apartment, wrong floor. Both from Genia. You go into a hole where you did not have a key. So you didn't even try to, uh, you just knew you coming home from work, your door was going to be yeah. unlocked. So those are the, we're missing those pieces. That young lady should have definitely, um, if you thought that, then you need to be under severe mental health treatment Um, dealing with that. Were you delirious? And then you were on the job that day. So were you hallucinating? What's going on? Where's your key? That's a different apartment. It did not work. How many times have you done this before? And all of that was overshadowed. And she was supported and now she's gone away. We're going to look up and she's going to be released from jail soon. And then we're going to be able to revisit that. That's going to evoke, you know, it's going to trigger some more trauma because now we didn't forgot about her. But 
is she gonna is she are they gonna protect her in prison? She's yep. definitely gonna be safe. But when she gets back out, is she gonna be able to get another job, you know, as a law enforcement? All of your decisions. Um, how is that gonna impact that? And we keep forgetting about these things when it's an officer. Yeah. That does it and is not held to the same regard. Mm. Now, some people will say, you know, well, if they get, you know, mental health evaluated, they might get off. That does not mean you get off. That means you get treatment. Yeah. And you still get charged. Yeah. Um, though, you know, that that's another thing that we don't touch on. But that does not mean you get off because you were temporary, uh, temporarily insane. Mm. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Um, you took an evaluation. A little simple one when you got that job, you answered a few questions and you were good. But there, there are no uh, routine mental health checks, mental health evaluations, and uh, that should be going on monthly with law enforcement who have to be on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, just like it's offered, you know, to veterans when they come home, they got all these services in the world. Mental health is a big one um, to ensure that you're getting what you need. Now it's up to them to go. Um, with that, but if you belong to a police commission, mm-hmm. that should be instituted. You are walking around with a weapon. You are in dangerous circumstances, and you mean to tell me that that is not automatically instituted to process these things and to ensure that you are still stable enough to do this job exactly. on a daily basis. Especially exactly. if your weapon has been discharged several times, well, a, a amount of times on the course of your work. You definitely should be one of the ones that that has to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have on that badge does not mean you sleep good at night. And if you do because you took a life or what you endure, let's say even if you don't have taken a life, you go into a crime scene. There are bodies, you know, these horrific stories that these officers see and there is nothing in place. So, yeah, this person is going to, you know act inhumane or some note well, however what happened i don't even know what he saw last night you're right and today's trauma could have been impacted from what this man saw last night his man or woman saw last night and to not have that in place is a is a complete disgrace yeah you i think you mentioned it there's an officer here in milwaukee that shot three people mm-hmm. what what is his um what is his mental health like? You shot three people. Three people, and you all deemed you all that we you, knew about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You deemed it to be, um, you know, justifiable. Yeah. Three times. That's that's I three think, lives. Let's make that clear. They were killed. Yeah, they were. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, so I don't know how many shootings. Yeah, he's had, but we know for a fact, three people mm-hmm. at least died by his hands. Yeah, he the fatally same shot three officer, men. Of color, yep, yeah, Joseph Mensa, mm-hmm. um, in in Tulsa here, and uh, yeah, shot fatally shot three men of color while on duty in his five years. Yep. So think about it: that first shooting, that first death, you know, you you can get away with that. The second one, it's like okay, what? But this third one, it's like it's like you're getting used to it, and exactly. it's like you get used to it, and then you're just finding ways to justify yourself, but. I like to your point, like you said, that there has to be some type of evaluation from the first and second shooting to say, 
you need to you need to take a, a year either a year sabbatical or or a something needs to happen exactly. because for me personally in my brain if I shoot and kill someone one time okay yeah I can probably you know that's my first time shooting mm-hmm. someone they you know they let's say for instance I was a cop and I saw them coming charging at me they had a, had a weapon or at least I perceived them have a weapon and then the second time like I'm I'm starting to get used to doing it and it just now I'm just making excuses up to say oh I, I saw a weapon or exactly. I, you know in this and it's but in my brain, I'm like, and well, I, I should say, taking an outside looking in, and I'm just like, how can you justify it three times? How can you justify that? And you got to sit to down their somewhere. point. Um, I seen this article, and it just really, really just took me back. Like, wow! So their training is consisted of like a hundred and some hours mm-hmm. for you to become a police wow. officer. A hundred and something hours, and you are in put in a position where you are detaining people, arresting, mm-hmm. um, enforcing the law, and, pil- and you have dangerous weapons to possibly kill someone. Yeah. A trained police officer. Well, it's a, my graduate degree is four years. Yeah. So we, we've gone multiply that 100 and some hours, probably times 20. Um, and that's it. And there's nowhere where I am responsible for killing someone. I don't prescribe medication right. that can overdose anything. Like you mean to tell me. And that goes to show what we saw. Um, I, I always get a little perturbed by people and I just want to question their experience when they say, you know, you know, that was a good cop. You know, he was, he, you know, he was good. No, he was professional. She or she was professional. What makes them good? And the only reason we say that because we have so many examples of what we say and doing the air quotes, mm-hmm. bad, right? You know, cops. And that cop is deemed now good because you didn't end up dying or beaten or abused by that cop. That's not okay with me. Um, you don't go to a, a office and you meet a secretary. Oh, that's a good secretary because she simply checked you in. She smiled and she mm-hmm. did her job. We got to stop that. Let's get back to endorsing professionalism, what you are trained to do. Um, and that is be professional and that is to uphold the law. And that is to not take things personally mm-hmm. into your hands. You need to follow the law. But if you only had that much training and then you jump on a squad and everybody's kind of doing their own thing and you're embraced and you're supported for your behavior, you're going to continue to emulate the same acts. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I know just taking it back. So we're as black people, as we see these cases and uh, hope and pray there aren't any more um, what do you recommend doing? Like, do you do you say turn it off, shut it off, or do you take it in and then process it, or do you? Because, like I said, this with this uh, Jonathan Price one, I'm, I'm, I'm numb. Like, I didn't go into the you know the details as much, but right. I'm just like, here we are, a black man, you know, breaking up a fight, being like you said, being a good Samaritan, and I was just having a conversation earlier how to 
how should black men protect and show up for black women? And I'm not sure if the fight was between a black, you know, I don't know. But say let's say for it was, you go in and you intervene, you end up dying. You die. Same thing with Jacob Blake. I don't know if it was a black, you know, black black people, you know, a black woman, a black man. Oh, it was. So mm-hmm. you intervene, do the right thing. Hey, we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing this. Let's stop fighting each other. But you come in and get shot seven times in the back and get mm-hmm. paralyzed. Exactly. Yeah. So or or in Jonathan Price's case, you die. And so it's like there's no reward for trying to be a good man, right. a good black man, and 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 do good in your society exactly. because you're deemed as a threat regardless. Right. And so we started having these kind of how to stay safe. That's not promised mm-hmm. um, with us, whether we try to do the right thing or not. So how are we having these conversations even when I try to be safe or do something safe mm-hmm. my life end up getting taken and I think in these times we're witnessing so much I am encouraging our people to run to there we need to talk this out what's going on mm-hmm. with you and I'm not saying this is the saving grace but we deserve healing too um those experiences do impact us we don't you know, you don't just have to, you know, shut up and go in the other room and not say something. This impacts you. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about it in a in a free space, because for a lot of people, this is doing something else to their brain. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you mentioned the word numb. Do you know how many people across this world use substances to numb themselves because they cannot face this reality? Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been doing that before all of this stuff was televised. We live, you know, in our community, we've come through hell, you know, and back and have where it's normal to us. Trauma is normal. Mm -hmm. But when we get to see it on the outside, we get to see it on TV and really it does something else where it's like, no, when I work with our community all the time and trying to educate them and get them to a place like this is not normal. It's not normal to be violent you know, toward each other. It's not normal um, to be on drugs like that. It's not normal to be what what you're living in is what's considered neglect Mm -hmm. of not having your basic needs met um, all the time. And if your instant instinct is what we call criminal behavior, that's not normal. But this is where we were led to, and that's what trauma will get you to. Mm -hmm. So now we're, we're watching it on TV now we got it, you know, even more. So the one thing that I want to recommend everybody to go and talk, it doesn't mean that you're crazy. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean any of that. You got to get that stuff out of your brain. You got to get them emotions out. You got to have this process. Um, I can't be an endorser on how to have safe, how to tell yourself to how to be safe. Right. You know, with these kinds, we don't know the end result. All I can say is, you know, hopefully, and then here we again, we got to tuck our legs between our tails so we don't get killed. Um, you know, you kind of, you got a yes and master almost, you know, mm-hmm. and, but right. we still don't know. It depends on how that cop feeling. You don't know how that's going to end up. So yeah, keep them cameras rolling. You make sure you're on the other end complying. Um, with that, but again, let me be the first that I don't know how that in, how that is going to 
come about. I don't know right. how that's going to end. Don't be afraid to report. Don't be afraid to hold these cops to a different standard. I know some people out there, like I made complaints and they don't go anywhere, but let's continue to make noise and make them go somewhere because now is the time. There's all eyes on them. Mm -hmm. So now um, they're being televised. We we have our eyes on them. So now let's continue to do so. You just make sure that you doing your part. But again, guilty people don't deserve to get killed either Right. by the police. Right. Yes, you got drugs in that car. You just committed a crime. That cop is still held to a standard mm -hmm. to give you due process. And when you deny us due process, you have now um, evicted our rights. And that's against the law. And so, you know, let me just repeat, you know, people get to therapy, get to talk, get to talk and get to a safe place. Talk about your experience. And I'm talking about the, the ones who are even deemed as what people want to call thugs or gangsters. But you are not. You deserve healing, too. Mm -hmm. You deserve healing. And mm -hmm. there is nothing wrong. There is nothing weak about going to talk about your experience and how you feel. I'd rather you get that out than having it clustered in your mind where you got to continue to numb yourself um, to not really think about this and to really think this is how life is supposed to be because we don't have another choice. Got you. That's, that's a great point. So get out there, talk, um, continue to make noise, um, continue to complain. Um, and I think most importantly, too, especially in this season, I would be remiss not to say get out there and vote, too. We got to get out, out there Make sure you get the right people in the right in the office. And when you do get them in the office, don't stop there. Start, you know, go go in and, and call and say, hey, I'm not happy with such and such. I'm not happy with this. What's exactly. going on with this? I brought, got a petition for this and continue to make noise because um, they're not going to hear us if we don't say anything. We're not. And let's get educated. Mm -hmm. They're. You know, I know a lot of people are going to step out and vote for the first time and vote for presidency, but there we're we're even in schools we're not really educated and focused on mm -hmm. all, all of these elections matter. Mm -hmm. We we really should have been concentrating on Congress, right? You know, and setting yeah. that up. Who really can you know make or break a president? You know, in their decisions, but just educating on that and. In the words of one of our famous um, civil rights person, make good trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, let's make good trouble. Get out there, make some noise some about noise, it. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, it's never too late to change your life around, put your past behind you, and let's move forward. But your past does not, it, you know, deem you to get shot or killed by a police officer. Sure. So I don't want anyone to ever go around thinking that that maybe someone deserve it. Right. They have a duty. And that I just really want to really, really make that clear because I do think that as black people, we have that guilt and we have that shame mm -hmm. um, that we do hide and we don't speak up because of criminal behavior. And I also want to say you are, I want people to stop calling themselves um, or referring to themselves as felons. You are not a felon. You have a felony on your record. Right. You have a felony on your criminal background history. But you are, Tom is right, you are Shanika Johnson who has a felony mm -hmm. on their criminal record. So that's one thing we need to start with right there. And you people who have felonies on, our, on their record can still vote. So get educated on those laws. 
um, and those rules. It's mainly for people who are still on probation and parole that have are denied the right to vote. But um, if you are not actively on probation and parole, you can still vote with a felony on your record. Mm. So let's please change that narrative and do not refer to yourselves ever again as a felon. Absolutely. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation. Um, I think, um, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Talking about mental health is, is lit. It's uh, something that needs to ha- happen. Um, and as we continue to go through the these trying times, make sure, you, as you mentioned, make sure you talk to someone. And, um, and I want to say, too, if there's any conversations or any questions that you have in regards to the show here, the podcast here, make sure you look up the black butterfly experience at gmail.com and send in your questions, your concerns. Um, eventually there will be a, um, a line where you can actually call and leave a voicemail. If you have any questions or concerns or any topics or any experiences that you want to share and you want it to be talked about on the podcast, definitely, um, uh, reach out and, um, and yeah, send an email and, yes. and, and, uh, check out the Instagram as well too, the black butterfly experience. Um, on Instagram and um, Facebook. Yep, and Facebook as well, too. And uh, we will create a community where you can have these conversations and we can talk about the episodes and we can talk about you know, some of the things that's going on in the city and across the, uh, the nation as well, too. And, and as mentioned um, before, create that safe space. Create that safe um, space. Create that safe space. So, so yeah, anything else? That's it. I just, I love that you ended that with that. Let's find your safe space. Um, everyone deserves to heal and let's get there and feel free to reach out. I can help direct you, um, to healing spaces as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's it. And feel good. I feel good. Yeah, I feel good too. All right. Well, till next time.